UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we have a lot of things to cover in this edition of the podcast. First things up, Michigan football held their pro day this week. Um, Lots of players who are looking to move on to the next level. Some interesting quotes. So, Clint, when you're looking at the the players who are coming out, who do you think has the best prospects in your opinion? I think Quiddy Pay's already got the highest national profile, uh, you know, on the defensive line and did nothing yesterday to hurt himself and probably uh, strengthened his position. Um, the, the number one thing, I think, nationally, uh, when people are thinking of Quiddy Pay and, and a lot of these uh, nationally ranked or, or national profile defensive linemen are about their just freakish athleticism. We know Quiddy Pay has been at the top of some of those lists of, of being one of the most athletic um, combinations of size and speed and strength uh, to play that position this last year. And then he, he backed it up yesterday. He did 36 repetitions on the bench press. Um, more than anyone else, um, even Ben Mason, and then uh, ran a four five forty. So, uh, you know, the hypothesis was that he's a freakish athlete and uh, a great work ethic, great attitude, and is doing a lot of work this off season on trying to learn different uh, defensive schemes so that he's prepared to uh, fit in wherever he may get drafted and. Um, I think I've seen him as high as, as 11th or 10th pick in the first round. So in terms of top of the draft class for Michigan, uh, it's it's Pay, and he had a good day yesterday also um, at, at their pro day. It's interesting to me because Pay is another one of those uh, highly regarded Michigan defensive linemen that was recruited by Don Brown and brought in. And uh, looks like he's going to continue to have a, another opportunity at the next level, even if uh, the results, especially this last season, were were less than spectacular, right? And again, everybody had a rough year, uh, I'd say, on the Michigan side, but I was disappointed. I, I would have loved to have seen Quiddy get a full season and, and really tear it up because he was he was a force uh, at times during the season, so. I think that it makes sense that he's so highly regarded. Um, you know, the the other thing is, when I'm looking at the various positions here, it looks like Michigan, you know, and let's talk about the players who showed, um, you know, Cameron Cheeseman, Nico Collins, Nick Eubanks, Chris Evans, Carlos Kemp, Ben Mason, Jalen Mayfield, Cameron McGrone, Quinn Nordeen, Quiddy Pay, and, and Avery Thomas. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting that, this was an opportunity for two players who opted out this season, Ambry Thomas and, and Nico Collins. And it's interesting. Nico caused some, uh, some, some attention on some of his quotes where uh, he was asked to compare the, uh, the talent level between Michigan and Ohio state. Hey Nico, just one more question here. So, you know, obviously you got the opportunity to play against um, Ohio State a handful of times. And, you know, a lot of people within the fan base that, that watch those games seem to think that there's a pretty big talent gap between Michigan and Ohio State. And I'm curious as somebody who, you know, was actually on the field with those guys and competed with those guys, you know, do you guys 
you know, it's hard for you to say that you would actually, you know, say that there's a big talent gap, but is there, is there a feeling that there's a big difference between the two programs or is it closer than most people think? Yeah, it's, it's way closer. You know, it's, I would say the talent, you know, is the same type of talent, you know, so I wouldn't say it's not, it's not a difference between the two, you know, so, you know, every time we play your state, we know what type of, what type of game is going to be, you know, it's going to be all four quarters, you know, so, um, the the you know at the athletes they got and we got man I say we we match up you know they they don't have more athletes than we got you know I feel like it's pretty much equal or we pretty much had more of them you know so I say that's all that's it man you know talent wise you know I say pretty much equal you know they it wasn't no advantage you know with them none at all. What did you think about some of the things he had to say, Clint? Well, for Nico's interview specifically, I think he uh, he did a pretty good job fielding uh, a lot of questions, both from national NFL uh, media folks and also local uh, Michigan media folks. That's a tough uh, spot, I think, specifically for media relations for the players because um, it's it's kind of two angles coming at you. There's the national NFL. Um, interest and a lot of that was directed at Nico Collins because he also uh, probably moved himself up uh, a few people's draft boards uh, with his performance at the pro day. So there was some national media that were, were throwing questions at him and then also there's an individual local Michigan media market also. Um, so he, he was bouncing back and forth between himself as an NFL prospect and whether he had been contacted with multiple teams and then also the Michigan interest um, and the last question of the interview asked about the, the talent discrepancy at, at Ohio State. So um, I think first you got to kind of acknowledge that the kids are kind of bouncing back and forth two different two, two different interviews really crammed into one, in my opinion. But, um, you know, he, he gave a pretty quick answer that he doesn't think that there's a major talent gap between uh, the players. Uh, for Michigan and the players for Ohio State. Uh, it caused a lot of uh, activity and buzz uh, amongst the media, amongst the fan bases, of course. Um, a lot of people are, are kind of comparing uh, recruiting classes over the last five to ten years, and I think that those results are are that's legitimate. You know, the, the, the gap between the way that Ohio State has recruited in the last five to ten years and the way Michigan has it is a it's a pretty stark difference, but um, when you ask a coach or an athlete or the most passionate fans, right, all of whom are are, are pretty strong competitors, um, and especially directly to an athlete, you know, asking him to compare his own level of talent with the players he's competing against, I'm not sure what answer you expected <laughs> to get back. Um, you know, and I think personally for for me, if you and I are talking as fans, uh, I would have been more surprised if he had said, yeah, clearly Ohio State has a large talent gap over us. You know, that would have bothered me more, I think, than um, the answer that he gave, which was, you know, I think we're about the same, same level of athletes. And in some places we have more talent. I think that that's a fine answer for an athlete to give. Um it's not really his job to evaluate the talent gap between the programs and, and give an honest assessment for, for the media to use. So I'm glad he said what he said. It doesn't bother me that it sent everybody into a tizzy and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move on from here. But it is at least interesting conversation starter um, 
and uh, anything that bothers uh, the folks in Ohio doesn't doesn't bother me at all. Well, we know the folks in Ohio are upset that uh, they didn't get their home Michigan-Ohio State game last season, and, and I think we were upset too, but uh, they seem to, to go out of their way to find a fence wherever they can. Now, the, the one thing that uh, I thought was interesting is, you know, one of the things that you see at, at these pro days is, as you said, as you uh, attempt to escalate to the next level, the media attention changes, right? Um, the uh, the level of inquiry, the, the level of uh, the number of people you're going to interact with. So I think there's a greater chance. No, there's, I don't think there is. There's a greater chance you're going to get questions from all, from all over the place, from things you don't necessarily expect. And I, I think this is one of those questions, right? That when you look at the whole tenor of the of the interview, uh, hey, we're, and we're going to end with tell, talk about the talent level between Michigan and Ohio State. Oh, and by the way, you didn't even play him this year, which which that was the other thing that I thought was funny. Is it's like, well, first, as you said, it's not necessarily uh, the job of Nico Collins to evaluate the ros- the respective rosters player by player, right? But they didn't even actually meet this this past season, so um, it he doesn't even have you know recent experience. So again, it's it's one of those oddball questions, and again, it's going to get chewed on on talk radio and 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 requoted. And you know, I, I can imagine this fall when Michigan and Ohio State play in the run up to that week, this quote's going to get pulled out and uh, and bandied about. And one of the things that's going to happen as these guys elevate to the next level and, and they work with agents and things is they're going to get some media training on, on how to, uh, how to deflect things. You know, the, the old standby is you answer the question that you want to answer, not necessarily the question that, um, the, uh, the interviewer wants or the, or the, or the media person. So, um, I'd say in a year or two, uh, the answer we may see to a question like this is, well, you know, I don't know about the talent gap, but I know the talent gap I'm interested in is what I need to do to contribute on the NFL level. I mean, there's a reason that you have these cliches that, that get pulled out, and I think all these guys, as they move to the next level, you're, you're going to start seeing quotes like that because, again, it's it's kind of an oddball question, and, and Michigan and Ohio State fans care, but um, you know, as far as Nico goes trying to go to the next level, um, you know that this quote is really doesn't doesn't speak to that to what he's trying to do right now. Um, so again, uh, you know, a tempest in a teacup. But uh, anything, you know, the good news is is that despite the lack of success that Michigan has had on the football field for a while now versus Ohio State, it's still a lightning rod for things like that, and that means that the rivalry is still important. And, uh, you know, because there's a question about that, um, you know, I always use the analogy, are the hammer and nail rivals, right? Well, Michigan's been the nail for, for a while now, and, you know, they need, to be, they need to be working to change that. But there's still national interest, and it's, it is still uh, uh, a top issue nationally uh, among sports fans. Yeah, it, it's going to drive interest for sure in the Midwest and the Big Ten's footprint. Um, specifically in the state of Michigan and the state of Ohio, you know, the, it, it, it's clear that that is still 
you know, at the front of everybody's brain um, in those media markets and then even nationally, despite the fact that um, there's this just ridiculously long trend of, of uh, blowouts with um, kind of heartbreak intermixed in there um, every few years. So until Michigan can change the narrative, then then you just got to kind of own what the rivalry is right now in this uh, particular era um, and, and work harder to change that. But again, when we're talking about quotes in March from a player who, uh, you know, hadn't played in over a year and, and the game hasn't been played in over a year, I agree with you that this is, um, you know, it was a lightning rod and a flash in the pan and something to talk about. And we have, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to add up to much. Um, by the time we're actually talking about the game in November. The other interesting thing for me is that, you know, specifically when we're talking about Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas, it seemed clear from listening to them that if things had been handled differently by the Big Ten, they both possibly would have played this last season. And I think that um, the player who probably was hurt the most by not playing was Ambry Thomas. And I think that uh, the Michigan defense really missed him. So, you know, one of the, the things that I'm seeing in the rankings is that, you know, he is not, he's pretty low on some of the, the boards for his position. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. You know, I, I thought, you know, he's definitely had some, uh, you know, some issues in the offseason, you know, health-wise. Um, but, on the field, I thought he was really good, and and I I know we missed him greatly last season, so I'm sure that uh, you know if things had been handled differently, he could have benefited from playing even in an abbreviated stop start season last year for the for Michigan. Yeah, I think that is that is a huge huge point, you know, and, and I think back even to our our season preview podcast um, before. Michigan played their first game against Minnesota and uh, you asked which one who uh, of the opt-outs or, or folks that are, are not going to end up playing do you think is going to be the most impactful and I, I thought Ambry Thomas would be the one that that Michigan missed most and uh, it, it came true even more so than I was imagining at that point you know that I still just am, am, am absolutely shocked at how poor poorly the, the the Michigan corners looked on the outside in the second game of the year against Michigan State and there's no way that the the chuck and duck strategy that the Spartans used would have been nearly as viable um, if Michigan's best corner uh, was in that game so you know coulda woulda shoulda of course um, so I, I don't want to dwell on that too much but it's it's a huge reason that most of my negative ire uh, about the 2020 season is directed at the Big Ten. I know everybody dealt with players that opted out. Um, Penn State was hit also particularly hard with the star power that um, that they had uh, on, you know, that didn't even play in the 20 se- 2020 season. So, um, but the fact that the on again, off again, on again, off again, nature uh, and the miscommunication from the Big Ten uh, was clearly identified by both Ambry Thomas and Nico Collins, your two biggest playmakers, arguably, um, <laughs> uh, on either side of the ball, 
that uh, that's directly the reason that they didn't participate is 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 ultimately very frustrating. And the Big Ten really, really turned that into a debacle. And um, you know, the the commissioner, the new commissioner, he's got a he's got a lot of work to do to rebuild trust <laughs> with uh, with folks in the in the Big Ten footprint because that the way that it was mishandled ended up costing players. You know, Ambry Thomas's draft stock was probably impacted by the fact that he didn't play. And um, obviously Michigan was impacted by the fact that he didn't play. And, you know, going forward, who knows what the upcoming season is going to look like. I hope uh, the league and the commissioner have learned um, significant lessons about uh, making early decisions, communicating, being flexible and how to be flexible and how to how to kind of roll out and, and, and adjust with pretty uncertain times. So let, let's hope that the 21 season is better in all accounts um, than the 2020 season was. Well, I think we're all hoping that. And, you know, at least, um, you know, Nico had a really good performance in some of the drills. So I, I think when you're looking at, you know, just the analytics and the, the numbers, I think he helped himself a lot. Um, you know, again, the disappointing thing about like a player like Ambry Thomas at his position is you really want to have as much tape to break down as you can. And again, you know, his tape is two years old at this point. So that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, impacting him. And, and, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, our last podcast, we kind of banged on the, the, uh, NCAA and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm starting to think that, uh, the Big Ten president basically exists, or yeah, the Big Ten president exists to basically take heat for the university presidents, and uh, I don't, I don't think he cares much about the trust that we have in him. I think that, you know, those are the masters that he cares about, and uh, those are the guys who who he's taking heat for. So, hopefully, it'll be done better. I mean, let's be realistic. Hopefully, we never have a situation like this again. Um, you know, we can talk about how this was a, a once in a century problem. But again, as you said, it still could have been dealt with better, the on again, off again. And, you know, I even wonder, you know, when we were going through it, um, Michigan took the tack that they pretty much stayed on task the whole time, right? While some player, while some teams kind of like went off and, and let their players disperse a little bit, I'm wondering, uh, you know, like you said, woulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda. We can we can dissect last season all we want, but you know how how everything was done. I think everything is under the under the microscope, right? And the Big Ten definitely didn't help its teams um, or its players. And, and let's be realistic; it, it should be, you know, it should be there for the players. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is so. You know, ignoring the tempest in a in a teapot of well, you know, Michigan has equal talent or perhaps better talent, right? How does this look if you know from a recruiting standpoint? And I think it's a good thing, right? Because even though Michigan has struggled on the field over the last couple years, um, they still have top prospects coming through the program and are in a position to go to the next level. 
yeah, I think the draft is still an asset for Michigan's football program. You know, even though the results uh, of the season on the field have not been up to the Michigan standards, they are still developing talent, and, and those guys are going on and playing and having uh, successful careers at the NFL level. So um, I am sure that it, that's a key component of the recruiting pitch um, for Michigan's coaches on both sides of the ball when they go out and are talking, especially to the youngest, uh, newest recruits um, that are just kind of jumping into the process. And uh, they're, they're pointing at a track record of really turning out um, successful um, college players that, that take the next step and, and get drafted and play uh, in the NFL. You know, it's a, it's a life-changing and, and generational family <laughs> wealth changing um opportunity and the the highest level of recruits that's that's what they're looking at and michigan excels um on draft day um so that's it's certainly a, an asset you know and then where I, another point of interest on this is a guy like chris evans um a guy who had to take the 2019 season off because of an academic issue comes back in a limited role really where splitting carries with Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet um, has a great pro day in terms of, you know, he ran a, a quick 40 time. I want to say he was in the four fours. Um, uh, yeah. He ran a four, four, four 40 yard dash and a 40 and a half inch vertical. So physically, clearly very gifted, has shown um, the ability to catch the ball at, at senior day, or the senior bowl, excuse me, in Alabama, and is versatile, can can play running back or maybe um, uh, line up as a slot receiver, and has shown that he'll play special teams. And I think that that key component of uh, participating on special teams is another thing that Michigan does that's uh, maybe not unique and that they're not the only uh, team or program that does it, but I think that they emphasize it more than some of the other uh, big-name universities uh, because that's uh, padding the resume or, or putting together a profile that is uh, attractive to NFL teams. You know, when they draft guys um, in the mid and late rounds where you know Chris Evans is hoping to get drafted in the you know, fifth, sixth, or seventh round, you're, you'd love to catch lightning in a bottle and find, uh, you know, Tom Brady in the sixth round, of course. But in reality, you want guys that are going to compete for roster spots and make your 52-man roster in the NFL. And um, you need to fill those special teams uh, roles, um, whether it's returners or blockers or, or gunners on the uh, punt coverage team. So a guy like Chris Evans, whose stats obviously are not going to reflect what he – uh, was capable of because of the time that he missed and then splitting carries this past season. But to put up such great um, combine-style numbers uh, on the pro day yesterday and uh, weighed in at 211 pounds, you know, he, he's definitely going to be durable enough to uh, to play at the next level. So he, he very well may have played himself um, from an undrafted free agent to uh to actually getting into uh into the draft so 
um, that type of opportunity um, is something that Michigan as a program is really going to point to that um, just by participating in our, or being an active member of Michigan's program, you know, you're, you're giving yourself a, a foot in the door at the NFL draft and, and you're going to have an opportunity that, you know, if, if Chris Evans had transferred and gone to a different school after his academic issue, I don't know that he still would be getting the opportunity that he had to shine yesterday. There's no doubt that, that being at the University of Michigan and playing on the football team, there's a, there's a brighter spotlight, right? And I'm really glad that you mentioned Chris Evans because if there's any guy in this list of players from Pro Day who probably appreciates the opportunity compared to how things could have been, it's probably him, right? And, uh, you know, always one of my favorite players to talk to, of course, disappointed at the uh, the issues that he had, but really happy that uh, he dealt with it in a mature way, was able to come back. And I think uh, he's doing everything he can to take advantage and to maximize the second opportunity. So definitely wish him well. And, um, you know, again, you look at it and you say, you know, I do think it kind of it starts to beg the question, right? That one of the things that I was hearing this week was, well, Michigan's recruiting is is overrated because players who go to Michigan automatically get a bump, right? Well, when I look at the end result, meaning the number of players who have an opportunity to move to the next level, um, they they Michigan does pretty well. Right, they they have a fair amount of guys who are drafted, so it does beg the question: What happens in between recruiting and and going on to the NFL? Right, and I think that um, we all kind of struggle with that as we see Coach Harbaugh dialing up the coaching staff and and definitely trying to move to a different result. Right, and and I think that we all understand that the result is not acceptable at this point, but. Um, the good, the, you know, one of the good things I take is, well, we still have this advertisement of, look at these guys who've come in, they've gotten their degrees and they're positioned for the next level, and even the guys who enter the the portal, the transfer portal, right? These guys have come in, you know, they've had some success, they get their degree, they, you know, most are leaving with a Michigan degree, and that that's not exactly a bad advertisement either. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Michigan is doing fine at creating a, a recruiting pitch, and and we've talked a lot about the new coaching staff and how they're going to, you know, give the whole uh, recruiting operation a boost of energy and and take that uh, recruiting pitch to all the corners of uh, the country. Um, you know, but but it, it, you're right to point out that it's not all it's not all the rosy sunglasses here. Um, because there is a problem in in the middle, right? We are recruiting well enough uh, right now with with opportunity to do better uh, in order to, to compete with the most elite programs in the in the country, including Ohio State. And they are personally developing the uh, the traits and the attributes, the physical abilities, skills, and and the and understanding of the concepts in order to be successful at the next level. So there there is development that's happening. Um, but right now, it's like uh, it's a bunch of parts that, that don't have a transmission that brings everything together. 
while they're on Michigan's roster and, and winning the biggest games. And, and and that's what needs to happen. It's not going to be a silver bullet uh, situation. It's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of small things that improve um, over time. And then there will be a, a kind of a click when it all comes together and the team will, will really take off. I, I, I believe that. Um, but they're not there right now. You know, the, the best way for me to kind of um, make a comparison is, is in 2018, after the initial loss to Notre Dame, um, as things started to settle in, the offensive line came together and Shea Patterson started to get a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, they won 10 games in a row and, and were playing really well, and that defense was flying around. Um, that's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of small improvements uh, over time. And then, you know, a, a poor game plan and a bad start in Columbus, and you get wiped out and bombed by the, by the Buckeyes, and everybody wants to put that whole season, you know, as far back in their memory as they can, you know, and, and that's understandable. But that, that 2018 team um, is, was really close to putting it all together, and, and there was only a couple things missing uh, on the coaching staff, some game planning problems and, and some talent uh, gaps uh, individually in, in the last game of the season that were exploited. And, and it turned into a really terrible result. So a uh, 50-point gap on the scoreboard over two seasons approximately or whatever it is um, is, is awful, but um, it's, not, uh, it's not a direct comparison to the differences that need to change in order for, for the program to close a gap with, with where we want them to be. And speaking of programs closing the gap, the Michigan basketball team is – it has advanced to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA basketball tournament. 68 teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. Not only have the Michigan men advanced to the Sweet 16, but the Michigan women have advanced to the Sweet 16 for the first time. So there's lots of good news on the basketball side. Um, I've been joking. Uh, you know, I, I work with a number of Buckeye fans who over the last couple years have given me a hard time about our, our struggles against the Buckeyes on the gridiron. And I always kind of flippantly respond, well, you know, we're a basketball school and uh, it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, Juwan Howard has come in and continued to have such great success building on the success of John Beeline and, uh, and the women are following suit. So, so that's really great to see. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds, boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sports app now and use the promo code 
Go Blue when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code Go Blue to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 and over, Michigan only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. So it's going to be interesting, Clint. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jawan can can continue this this great run and of course um you know everything uh you know as as well as Michigan has been playing um you really wonder what would happen if Isaiah if Isaiah Livers was healthy and uh if there's any way that he's going to come back but uh watching uh Michigan in the tournament has has been really inspiring and man I, I sure hope we get to see the Michigan football team in the national football playoffs someday yeah, the, the the energy right now that is kind of uh, infused the, the the fan base and the program and the athletic department um, because of uh, the basketball team and the the positive energy that they kind of radiate and, and obviously winning uh, kind of cures all ills. <laughs> so uh, Michigan played played such a, a tremendous season and uh, March Madness is always fun. It's obviously more fun when Michigan's in there and playing well, and we're lucky enough to uh, to have had some success in the tournament uh, under John Beeline, and now Michigan's a, a one seed and going into a uh, a matchup against the fourth-seeded uh, Florida State team um, and uh, some other big upsets with Illinois already uh, going down, not making it uh, as a one seed. So it, it, it's been a crazy tournament as it usually is. And Michigan continues to, uh, to impress and, and play with uh, a lot of positive energy that that's, it's just a fun team to watch. And, and I want to make sure that I say that and, and appreciate that as much as possible because it is fun, uh, especially with the kids to, to watch this team play. So it is interesting because Ward Manuel uh, signed an extension earlier this year, right? And I think, you know, from from where I sit, one of the main drivers was his his signing and success that Juwan Howard has had, right? I mean, that's really the thing. That was the coach that he brought in that to put his stamp on the athletic department. You know, he inherited Jim Harbaugh. And I think, um, you know, it, it's interesting because when you go back and look at Michigan basketball, John Beeline was given, you know, a few years to build the program up, right? And he had some built-in obstacles, meaning that the facilities were were really substandard. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I always say, you know, the way I would have upgraded Chrysler Arena was to take out an insurance policy on it and knock a crane on the top of it, okay? It was, it was really pretty, it really was, had some, had some major, uh, things that needed to be fixed. And amazingly, they invested, and, and the new Chrysler Center is amazing. It, it's really, it's better than I could have ever imagined, um, you know, and, and it's one of the things that, um, you know, really um, put the basketball program in a, in a position where it could recruit and, and build, right? And I, I, you know, I have to admit that, you know, I, I 
I didn't know what to expect when Juwan came in, right? And for him to continue the success that, uh, you know, build on that foundation that John Beeline put in place and uh, to build such a fun team to watch. And it's funny that you that you mentioned that. It's just, it, it's really great to see the enthusiasm and it's great to see them succeeding. So, um, but as I was saying, you know, the Jawan Howard really kind of uh, helped Ward Manuel make a case for, you know, them renewing his contract, right? And one of the things that, that came out uh, when Ward was, you know, gave a, a brief media interview is, you know, there's kind of this elephant in the room of, well, basketball is doing okay and, you know, more than okay, right? So what's going on with football? And one of the, you know, and we had that long, uh, you know, will Jim sign or won't he? And it, and it appears by all signs that he was planning on signing, but, you know, there there was some drama. So one of the questions that came to Ward was, you know, do you have a number on how many games he needs to win, right? And what's interesting about this is we were just talking about how Nico was kind of got a question from from left field and how he answered it right and when you see the way how when you see the way that ward answered it that's exactly how you deal with the media right you don't give them a number right now i think you and i can both agree that number is pretty high that we want to see but you know he's not going to put out a, a, a like you said a red line that if something happens that that you fall behind that that number that you know heads are going to roll right so um, I think it's an interesting thing to kind of kick around of of what the expectations are for football moving forward and 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 what we need to see. Yeah, I think um, when Harbaugh signed his contract extension, you know the 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 lead was a fifty percent base salary pay cut, right? And, and we touched on some of the incentives um, from Harbaugh's contract. Um, because the data was available to us, but also kind of what it meant in terms of, you know, what what are the outlooks and what are the goals and objectives that are agreed upon between the athletic director and the coach. And, and at that time, you and I were talking about it from the Harbaugh coaching perspective, you know, but now we're kind of looking back at it, um, you know, from the athletic director's perspective. It, it's clear that the objectives have not, you know, the bar didn't get lowered, Um that it's still a championship uh, incentive and, and incentive to beat uh, Ohio State and incentive to get to the college football playoff and, and to win the national title. And that's that's been what the program has verbalized from Jim Harbaugh all the way down uh, for his entire tenure. You know, and and I think it in terms of uh, objectives and goal setting, they've been a hundred percent clear on that. And obviously, I, I would notch that up one more uh, rung on the ladder to the athletic director. It's clear that everybody um, has the bar set at the correct level in what Michigan's football program should be doing. And um, they are not uh, accomplishing that, uh, not only over Jim Harbaugh's tenure, but, but even before then, obviously. So um, I think that having that alignment is critical in terms of a starting point. So that's good. Um, your, your point about wanting Ward Manual to put a number out there is kind of an over under. You know, more than this is success, and 
less than this is not success. Uh, it, it, it's grossly oversimplified is what it is. And both from the media standpoint, right, um, you know, if you want a narrative to be written, you know, there's a lot more information than just the the number of wins at the end of the season to, to determine whether a season was a success or not a success. Um, you know, so from the media standpoint, I think you would want some more nuance than that. And then obviously, as a manager and as an athletic director, you know, Ward Manuel is not going to paint himself into a corner in a February interview by saying, yeah, I think the red line is 10 wins or 11 wins or beat this team or, or whatever, because, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen in any one game. There are a lot of things that can happen between now and the start of the season. You know, a, an entire season can be derailed, as we've seen, you know, as as recently as last year. So to, to try to put something in black and white in print in, in an interview with the media would be foolish uh, of an athletic director because, uh, you know, you're, you're painting yourself into a corner and not giving yourself the, the leverage and flexibility to actually use your own evaluation tools. So um, kind of a kind of a ridiculous request, in my opinion, from the media to ask Ward Manuel to, to oversimplify his evaluation of the football program, but uh, not necessarily a, a surprising, <laughs> even though it was uh, disappointing. The other interesting thing, um, and again, I think this goes back into how you deal with the media, right? So there was a question about, well, did you have a backup plan? You know, who was your list? And and the thing is, you know, it, you kind of play out the scenarios, right? Of course there was a backup plan, okay? Now, how solid it was, Ward's not going to get into that, right? Because if you acknowledge there was a backup plan, then it looks like what happened isn't what you wanted to happen, right? Um, and then it's, well, who's on the list and how is that going to move forward? And it's interesting that, you know, he kind of answered, you know, and I have the quote here, I didn't have a backup plan. After the season, we had a great conversation and talked through things. There was no secondary plan in case the talks didn't go well. And and I kind of laugh because when I hear that, I'm like, that is the, these aren't the droids you're looking for, right? I'm not going to give you the red meat that you want to chew on, okay? We have Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is what we wanted. And next question. And I think it just goes to um, when we're talking about, uh, you know, and this kind of goes back to Nico, right? As he starts working, as he continues to work with his agent and his media folks, you know, there's a way that you deflect these questions and, and move on in a positive way. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we kind of have the uh, two examples of, 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 of trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's clear that you know, Ward is very, very good at handling the, the media relations. He's proven that uh, multiple times. You know, through through both the COVID crisis, um, the reduced budget, obviously, uh, all the three coaches of the three main revenue sports uh, all changed under his tenure. Or contracts were renewed for for Harbaugh under Ward Manuel's tenure. So. Um, He's he's at least kind of touched on on every key pillar right now uh, in terms of the media relations facing part of the athletic program, and it's clear that that's one of his strongest suits. And uh, you know, it's 
that that's a good thing, right? But again, you know, answering interview questions doesn't win or lose or, or provide success or not. So I'm glad that he handles it well, of course. I'd rather him handle it well than not well, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, just like he wants to be successful um, on the field and, and in the classroom as an athletic program, then, you know, that's what you and I care most about. And, and we're all kind of just chomping at the bit for, for something to really grasp onto in terms of athletic success. So um, hopefully the, the basketball team can, can stay on a run here through, through March and into April. Absolutely. Um, you know, another uh, thing that I'd like to mention, the Michigan Ross Business School is hosting a sports tech conference, a virtual conference, uh, March 31st. It's a one-day conference consisting of networking opportunities, panels, fireside chats, and a keynote speech on a variety of topics from industry leaders in sports technology from the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, collegiate teams, basically all kinds of different organizations, top tech companies, sharing insights and presenting best practices. Um, I really, I'm really looking forward to this conference. I'm going to participate. And it's just one of the, uh, another Michigan difference that, uh, you know, not only alumni have, if you're affiliated with the university of Michigan, but opportunities that our athletes have, uh, for, to look into careers that they could do after their playing career. So, um, Check that out. It's michigansportstechconference.com. And, uh, again, it, it looks like a great thing. They have a special alumni price. So uh, definitely check that out. Looking pretty good. So uh, so that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.